Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. Hey, when you're done listening to this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free app. From there, you can find all of our recent message content. Our app is actually the best place to keep up with everything going on at Hope. If you like what you hear today, we encourage you to share this with your friends or family. Enjoy. Yeah, we can clap for that. I love that story. And uh, we have more stories like that in the weeks to come. But welcome to those of you joining us online at one of our physical campuses and in the room tonight. How are you guys doing? Good. Very good. Well, we are in the second week of a new series. We started last week called Characters, Finding Your Role in the Story. And we learned, unfortunately, last week that a lot of us are living out the wrong role in the wrong story. That when it comes to our lives, we just naturally assume that we are the main characters in a story that is all about us. And it seems crazy to even suggest that that's not true, but we learn we aren't the main characters in a story that's all about us. In fact, we are minor characters in a story that is all about Jesus. For all things were created through him and by him and for him. And that can be a huge paradigm shift. That can be shocking when you first hear it, but once you accept it, man, it just makes life so much easier. All those nagging questions that we have, why am I here? What is my purpose? God clearly answers it in one word, it's Jesus, to glorify him. But one thing that I don't want you thinking after hearing that truth is that minor characters don't matter because they do. I don't want you to think that minor characters don't have worth or purpose or that God can't use minor characters. In fact, the opposite's true and that's gonna be the theme over the next three weeks that God uses minor characters in major ways. And we see this all throughout the Bible, but listen, the extent to which God can use you depends on the extent to which you embrace your role as a minor character, Uh, how obedient you are at this role that he has given you. And that's what I wanna talk about this week is minor characters and a story that is all about Jesus. What is our role? What lines has God given us to speak? What scenes does he want us to act out? And that one question, what is my role? It can be a really hard question to answer, especially if you're a new Christ follower, because like it or not, at least here in America, I think the church, we have complicated what should be a really easy answer. Because depending on your background with Christianity or what denomination you grew up in or have checked out in the past or really what books you read or podcasts uh, you listen to or really just the people that you talk to, you can get a ton of different answers to that question. What is my role as a Christ follower? How do I know I'm being great at what Jesus has called me to do? Uh, One answer is is Bible. It's all about the Bible. You need to read it a lot. You need to dive into scripture. You need to buy books that are heavy on theology and doctrine. And then someone say, no, 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 no. It's all about a spiritual experience. It's all about getting alone with him and feeling his spirit and hearing him speak. Or someone else would say, no, no, it's about justice or it's about prayer or it's about community or it's about mission trips. You could ask a hundred different people, how do I know that I'm doing great at the role that Jesus has called me to? And you might get a hundred different answers. 
Well, thankfully, Jesus tells us very, very clearly what our role is as Christ followers. He tells us that very, very clearly. So if you are not yet a believer and you're thinking about kind of, you're kind of kicking the tires of Christianity, this week is going to be perfect for you because you're going to get a front row seat to what Christianity is all about because Jesus is going to tell us what our role is. But just like last week, I want to warn you, (laughs) it's probably not what you expect. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, it's the third book in the New Testament. If you don't have your Bibles, we'll put it for you uh, on the side screens. But as you're turning there, uh, where we're picking up the story, Jesus has been going about his ministry with these disciples uh, for some time now. And a few times up until this point, he's been trying to explain to them uh, the story that they are caught up in. He's been trying to explain to them his purpose for coming down to earth and starting this ministry because the disciples are really confused about how this story is supposed to play out. See, before Jesus, um, there were a few other messiahs. You might not know that, but in Jewish times, there were a few other false messiahs that claimed to be the saviors of Israel. And all of these guys, they'd actually gathered up a little band of followers, just like Jesus did. Theirs were a little bit larger and they had trained them um, in warfare and they had actually led armed revolts against Rome. And so a messiah in the mind of the disciples was someone who would throw off the oppression of Rome and set up an earthly kingdom, a kingdom where Israel could rule itself and wouldn't have to bow down to Rome. Now, all of these revolts had failed in the past, but this is why the disciples think that Jesus had come. This is the story that they're caught up in, where Jesus will succeed in setting up an earthly kingdom. The story that they're caught up in is one where Jesus goes up and up and up and up in political power and fame and acclaim. But Jesus on numerous occasions had been trying to tell them, no, that's not the story. I'm not here to set up an earthly kingdom. I'm here to initiate a spiritual kingdom. I'm not here to go up the ladder of political power. I'm here to go down the ladder of sacrifice. And when we pick up the story, this is just another time that he's trying to correct them about this story. It says this, and they were on the road going up to Jerusalem and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed. And those who followed were afraid. Jesus had recently done some miracles. And taking the 12 again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him. Saying, see, we're going up to Jerusalem. And you think they're going to make me king? They ain't. It says, the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. He says, you think my story is going to end up a certain way, but it's not. You think I'm supposed to, to rise to the role of the king? That, that's not how this story ends. It's a very different story that you're caught up in. And because you misunderstand the story, you radically misunderstand your role. And we're going to see that radical misunderstanding right here. In the very next verse, and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, that was their dad, came up to him and said to him, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, well, that depends on what you want. (laughs) What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, this is it, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. They said, Jesus, when you become king, we want to be co-kings. We want to become princes. We want to become distinguished members of your cabinet. Can you do that for us? And Jesus is like, did you not, you guys are dumber than a bag of hammers. Like, (laughs) did you not hear a word I just said? But instead of yelling at them, 
Typical Jesus, he just patiently tries to show them, okay, that's not the story we're in. This is not your role. He says this, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? He's talking about the crucifixion. In just a few days' time, Jesus is going to pray, Father, if at all possible, take this cup from me, this cup of suffering. And it's going to be so much suffering, it's going to be like a baptism. He's going to be immersed in pain and alienation from his father. But Jesus, uh, John doesn't understand this. So they said to him, yeah, we're able. And Jesus said, no, okay. Well, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. It's true, you're going to suffer. But to sit at my right hand or at my left, that's not mine to grant. But it's for those for whom it has been prepared. Like that doesn't really matter. That's the last thing you should be thinking about. And look at verse 41. And when the 10 heard it, the other 10 disciples, they began to be indignant at James and John. So this disciple fight breaks out right before Jesus' eyes. Now notice, this is in the context of Jesus telling them, I'm about to die. I'm about to sacrifice my life. You would think they would feel a little sad. They would feel a little somber. They would feel a little empathy. You would think that in this moment, above every other moment, they would be thinking of someone other than themselves, but they're not. And this fight, this jealous fight breaks out and they're angry because James and John might get a better title or a better position in the new kingdom. So they break in. They're like, Jesus, James cannot like swing a sword. He is horrible at warfare. I'm an expert. I deserve that throne. And someone else is like, John is a horrible leader. He doesn't watch TED Talks. He hadn't like read How to Win Friends and Influence. I'm a much better leader than him. I deserve that place of honor. And there's 12 voices all yelling over each other. And they're all thinking about one thing and one thing only themselves. After Jesus told them how he would soon go down the ladder of suffering all the way down to death, they're arguing and jockeying for a position up the ladder. They want recognition, they want comfort, they want ease, they want a throne, a place of honor, a crown. And in that moment, it's just so clear what they care about. Me, 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 me. And I think God preserved this argument for us in scripture, because like it or not, it's just, a, it's a picture of what's in our hearts a lot of times, isn't it? It's an ugly picture, but it's an accurate picture of what is in our hearts so much of the time. I mean, that's us. It's easy to sit back and judge the disciples, but this scene just kind of reveals what's in all of our hearts. Like, like the disciples, most of the time, we think mainly about ourselves. We think the story's all about us. Like the disciples, we want to go up the ladder of success, not down the ladder. We want to get the attention, the applause, not give that away. We want respect. We want admiration. We want fame. Inside of our hearts, the Bible says this all the time, there's, there's this need, almost this craving for glory, for our own personal glory. And you can see this in the disciples, even in the face of the death of their Savior, they're trying to figure out a way to turn that situation to what works out in favor of their own glory. See, there's this craving for glory. And I've been thinking about this. This is completely silly. You don't have to take me seriously. But um, how many of you guys have played Wordle? Just raise your hand. Yes, no. Some of you haven't. That's crazy. All right. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's a game where you have six tries to guess a five-letter word. It's all those blocks that you see on Facebook. Facebook is basically just the Wordle Wide Web or something. It's, that's all, what it's all about. And it's gone completely viral. It's taken the whole world by storm. And it's done this, I think, <laughs> because the creator unknowingly kind of tapped into our craving for glory. I'm not saying it's bad. It's not. But it would be just any other word game among thousands of word games except what? 
they added the share button. They added the Facebook share button. So now you're not just clever. Now the world can know how clever you are. See, it kind of, it fills our craving for glory. And now people are figuring out there's a hard mode. So they get to brag even more. In fact, I want to pick on one of our worship leaders, Tommy Neiman. I have a Facebook post of his. If you see those dots, that's what it, but notice, hashtag hard mode. He's got to let people know that it's hard. He knows I'm saying this. But look at the reply. The asterisk means hard mode. So do the black squares. They don't. But not everyone knows that. I need to make sure everyone knows. You see, Wordle has tapped into this. And this is silly. I'm not saying this is bad. Okay, go Wordle crazy. But it just kind of reveals how a lot of times we're like the disciples. We're about our glory, not Jesus's glory. We're about getting ours, not giving it away. We're about us, not others. But as the disciples are fighting and they're quarreling, Jesus says, hey, 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 everybody quiet down. You've gotten this so wrong. That's not the story you're caught up in. That's not your role. And he clearly shows them what their role in his kingdom and our role is. Again, if you're not a Christ follower, this is what Christianity is all about. He says this, and Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you, among my followers. But whoever would be great, whoever would fulfill their role, whoever wants to knock it out of the park when it comes to their minor part in a story that's all about me, whoever would be great among you must be your what? Servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You want to know what your role is, our role is in the story that's all about Jesus? Want to know what your calling is as a Christ follower? It's to serve. It's to be a servant. Instead of going up the ladder of success, we are called to go down the ladder of service. Instead of putting ourselves first, we're called to put others first. Instead of chasing after a crown, Jesus says, no, no, no. You got to pick up a cross. Instead of chasing after glory for ourselves, we're called to bring glory to Jesus by taking on this attitude of servanthood. See, here's how I would summarize what our role is, what my role is, where our role is. Your role is to glorify Jesus by serving others like he served you. And that word glorify is so important because we learned last week, he's the main character, not us, right? He's the one that everyone should be looking at. All things were made through him and by him and for him. He's the one that every single human being in every generation desperately needs to know about, not us. And nothing puts the spotlight on Jesus. Nothing grabs the world's attention and focuses it on him. Nothing glorifies Jesus quite like serving does. Why? Because it's so unnatural and it's so incredibly rare. Most of the time, the people in this world, including you and me, we act just like the disciples. Our world functions in what um, psychologists call transactionally. So I'll do something for you if you do something for me. I'll be your friend, care for you, if being your friend, attaching myself to you, helps me climb up the ladder. I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. But if I don't, I don't get anything in return, I'm out. I'm not going to waste my time. But the moment someone serves someone else, without getting thing else in return, that catches people's attention. That catches them off guard. That gets them curious. Why would you do this for me when you don't get anything in return? See, so through serving, we get the opportunity to point people towards our Savior who also didn't come to, come to be served, but to serve. See, we are never more like Jesus than when we serve. 
And so our moments of service are our greatest opportunities to point people towards Jesus. Jesus knows the world can, can argue with our theology. They can overlook or ignore all that we do here during the weekend, but it can't argue with or overlook acts of service. And if you think about it, it's actually beautiful what Jesus is calling us to do. In preparation for the series and a series on service a few years ago, I looked up every single instance that Jesus talked about serving. And you'll find there's two components. It says, he says it here, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Every single time Jesus talks about serving and a lot of the New Testament authors, there's always this idea of serving and this idea of death. This idea of serving and this idea of giving up your life, of dying, of a death of sorts. And when I first noticed that, I'm like, Jesus is not very optimistic about serving. Like he doesn't have a, it's just Kid City. It's just a small group. Like it's not death. It's not that bad. Lighten up, Jesus. I didn't say middle school. That's completely different. But <laughs> the more I thought about it, the more I realized Jesus is not showing us what serving feels like. He's showing us how serving works. See? You see, when our volunteers across all of our campuses, maybe Kid City or middle school or high school or special needs or um, first impressions or our tech team, just any number of volunteers, when they, when they, when they get up and they come here in the morning, they, they die to certain needs and wants. They, they, they willingly choose to die for their desire for an extra hour of sleep, right? They die to their desire to stay nice and dry and instead go outside in the rain and park cars or uh, they die to their desire for that extra two hours on Sunday where they could get a lot done. So they give up their time. It's a sacrifice. They're literally having these little moments of death. But when they do that, when they willingly die, other people experience life. You see? See, when someone dies to their desire for comfort, to greet someone, then a guest walks in and they experience feeling known and welcomed and loved. Or because a volunteer dies, then a middle school girl realizes that she is not alone in this battle, that someone else cares and someone else hears. Because people die, maybe a single mom or two get the, get the opportunity to just experience hope, to feel a sense of hope for the first time in a long time. It's like Jessica in that video that we just watched where with her store, she died to financial gain. She died momentarily to her livelihood. She probably died to the idea of what she dreamed her business would look like in 2020. But when she did, others experienced what? They experienced life. They experienced love and food and dignity and care. And they still are. See, serving is dying to yourself so that others can experience life. And Paul understood this. He was talking about all the people that are partnering with him in the gospel. He says, for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. And when we do that, when we willingly choose to die so that other people experience life, who are we acting like? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. We're reenacting the gospel, we're reenacting the story of Jesus. We're putting on these little reenactments of what this grand story is all about. He died so that you might have life. Paul understood this in Romans 5. He said, therefore, be imitators of God. Reenact God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. See, when we serve, we're saying, what I'm doing here, it's, it's just, I'm doing in a small way what this guy named Jesus has done in a big way for you. 
when we serve, we say, hey, hey, when you see what I'm doing and you really understand it, hopefully you'll understand more fully what Jesus has done for you. See, that's what makes serving so powerful. That's what makes our minor role so powerful because when we serve, we're taking a big giant spotlight and we're pointing it right on Jesus. We're actively participating in the big story that God is telling. We're expanding his kingdom and we're making an impact. And that's what we were put on earth here to do. See, there's no other way to say it. Your role during your short time on earth is to serve and through that to glorify Jesus. Now, if you've hung out in church for any uh, amount of time, you'll know this is the part of the sermon where I'm supposed to list all the fun stuff about serving. I'm supposed to just be like, man, serving is amazing and it's going to change your life and you're going to grow by leaps and bounds and it's going to be the favorite part of your week. It's the bee's knees. Have you seen the volunteer shirts? You get one of those. We got bagels, people. Two types of cream cheese, free for the taking. This is where I, if I was a good pastor, <laughs> would try to sell you on the idea of serving. And I've done that in the past. But I just think, I mean, most of you are over the sales pitch. I mean, you hear it every single year. And honestly, I mean, I just want us to be the type of church, and we are in many ways, where we just do stuff because Jesus tells us to do it. <laughs> I mean, if Jesus says it, that's, that's a good reason. But the truth is, sometimes serving's a blast. Sometimes it's not. This is from a book that Jason and I are writing called How Not to Grow a Church. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's not fun. Sometimes you're in Kid City and a three-year-old just throws up on you and you're like, I don't, you don't have an extra shirt and it's not your kid, which makes it even grosser. You're like, we didn't have chicken pot pie last night. <laughs> sometimes it's cold and it's rainy in the parking lot. I mean, sometimes it's not fun. Sometimes it's not convenient. Sometimes it's not easy. It's actually really hard. But <laughs> every single time we do it, it's important. Every single time, it's impactful. I mean, lives are literally changed as the result of the people that serve here week in and week out. You and I are a part of this amazing community, this family, this movement, because someone welcomed us in and showed us our next step. It may not always be fun, but it's worth it. And I'm just at a point in my life where I don't want to be a salesman. I just want to, I just want to ask those that aren't serving, like, why, why don't you want to be a part of that? I actually asked someone to look up the numbers. It's going to get really awkward here, okay? You guys okay with that? Some of you are like, where was Angry Chase when we were deciding our teaching pastor? Um, <laughs> out of the thousands of people that call Hope Home, about 30% of us serve. I think that's being generous. I mean, you can move those numbers around. It's about 22, 25%, but 30%. And there's lots of reasons. I mean, COVID and online and all that sort of stuff. And by the way, if you're new here, I'm not talking to you. I mean, zone out, don't zone out. Listen in, this is the heart of our church, but I'm not speaking directly to you. Or if you just came and you got beat up by a church in the past and you just need some time to rest and heal, do that. That's why we're here as well. But for the thousands of you guys that have been around here for years, maybe two, maybe three, maybe five, like, why are you on the sidelines? Like, what's stopping you? And we're gonna talk about that next week some excuses, some legitimate. And I know the way the world works, okay? 20% of people do 80% of the work. That's just a common pattern you see. But, but we're not the world. We should be different, right? 
And I just think that if 70% of us can't sacrifice a little bit on Thursday nights or the weekends or midweek opportunities so that, and they're easy opportunities. I mean, we train you, we plug you in, super easy onboarding process. But if 70% of us can't sacrifice a little so that someone can be loved where they are and encouraged to grow in the relationship with Jesus, I, I don't think we want to know how much sacrifice is required to reach the triangle and change the world. Like to start new campuses, that, that's altogether different. To start hope centers. And that's what we're all about. I, and I know there's going to be some pushback because people are saying, man, there's all these volunteer opportunities outside the church. Why are you harping on just inside the church? I think that's true. But Paul does say in Galatians, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Like if we can't sacrifice and give and serve here, what makes us think that we can serve outside there? What makes us think we're ready for that? And really, it's supposed to start here. Like this attitude of servanthood and other-mindedness and service is supposed to start here and well up and kind of flow out of the church into the community. And that's, that's what we're all about here, about impacting the community. Like that, that's what I want to give my life to. We didn't come back here and move back to Raleigh and kind of sign up to serve here at Hope Community Church so that I could give a really cool 30-minute sermon and have some cool music for like 30 minutes and then just walk out of here. Like, that's not what I want to give my life to. I want to do everything that I can to reach this little corner of North Carolina for the, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you think about it, outside these doors, what, a million, maybe more? A million people that do not know about the incredible love that their heavenly father has for them. And thousands more moving here every single month. And God gives us this precious privilege of giving up a few moments to welcome and to love those that he brings to us before he sends us out to reach more. And 70% of us just want to sit on the sidelines. Like, I don't get that. Here's the truth. All of this is going to sound like a downer. All of us here in this room watching online, we're all going to die one day, okay? We know that the percentages on death are pretty convincing. It's 100%. But there will come a day when all of us die of something. I mean, cancer is going to get us. Disease is going to get us. Heart attack. Somebody from Fuquay is going to run you over with their truck in the parking lot. I don't know how it's going to happen, but you're going to get a death certificate. And the reason for it is going to be listed. You're going to die of something. And all of those, all of that money that you've amassed from working on Sunday, it's, it's not going to be there. All of that, that in knowledge that you have about the new TV shows, all that extra energy that we gain from that extra sleep on the weekends, that's all going to go away. We're all going to die of something. But what Jesus is doing here is he's inviting us. He's giving us all the amazing opportunity to die for something. We're going to die anyway. It might as well be for an amazing cause. So he gives each one of us an amazing role, an amazing opportunity to sacrifice for something greater than climbing up the ladder, to sacrifice for something more important than money or fame or a few extra hours. He, he calls us to get in the game in the only thing that really matters. And I don't want anyone to miss out on that. So he's given us an opportunity to, to join with him and telling him of this amazing story this story that we're all caught up in. Listen, at the heart of the story that God is telling, at the heart of the story that we are all caught up in is what? Front and center, bright shining light. It's a servant. 
It's a king who is willing to leave the comforts of heaven and to go down further and further and further and further and to give up his rights and to give up his glory and to give up his privilege and eventually to give up his very life so that we could have love and forgiveness and freedom and reconciliation and hope. And if the very center of the story that God is telling is a servant, shouldn't that be at the center of our lives as well? So I don't want to dress it up. I don't want to make a sales pitch, but what I do want to do is I want to call you into something bigger than yourself, bigger than all of us. I want to call you to sacrifice, to give up some of your life for the sake of others. I want to call you to make a difference in this world while you have the chance. Are you guys in for that? Yes? No? Raleigh, Morrisville, Garner online, you guys up for that? Well, we're going to give the opportunity to do just that in a moment. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. We repent. We ask for your forgiveness. <laughs> that we just get entertained and called off course by things that, that don't matter in eternity. So would you forgive us? And Father, would you give us a burning passion for what you are passionate about other people? I pray that you would raise up just an army of servanthood-minded people. Not the way that we love each other, the way that we care for one another, the way that we sacrifice and give up our life would just point a giant spotlight on the one who gave up everything so that we could have life. Would you do this in our midst? In the name of Jesus, our servant king, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message and encourage you to share it with your friends and family. If you live in the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina, we'd love to meet you at one of our weekend gatherings. For campus locations, service times, and information on our children and student environments, check out gethope.net. To make sure you don't miss our next message, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. We would like to invite you to support what we are doing by visiting gethope.net slash give. Through generosity of people like you, Hope can run programs like our food pantry, homework club, project classroom, and many more.